But here we are at the end of the year, and not coincidentally, but because I've kind of worked to try to make it work, we're also at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. Nice, yeah. Had enough of that sermon, yeah. Uh, no, I get you, babe, I know. You're just trying to be encouraging and shout if it's good. But here we are at the, at the close, and, we've, and if you've been paying attention or been present, you know that Jesus has actually been closing this sermon Matthew, in Matthew's edit, edited uh, uh, organization of Jesus' sermon. It's been closing or finishing since verse 13 of chapter 7. Verse 12 is the last teaching statement of the sermon. Verse 12 is the conclusion when he says this, Therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This fulfills the law and the prophets. Ta-da! That's the end. That's the the conclusion, the crescendo of the Sermon on the Mount. Then beginning at verse 13, he starts landing this thing and basically giving us two options, a narrow road or a wide road, the narrow road that leads to life, the the wide road that leads to destruction. He gives us two options to, to bear fruit or to not bear fruit and be cut down. And, uh, and, uh, and then to whether we've done the will of God or have not done the will of God. And all of these things are, uh, are challenging us to respond to the words of Jesus. Now, Jesus concludes this sermon now with one final, and we, it's actually usually called a parable. So we'll, we'll, we'll give it the benefit of the doubt. It's parabolic in nature. It's a story that illustrates a truth. So he, he concludes this Sermon on the Mount with a parable. And the, the good news and the bad news is, the good news is most of us are very familiar with this parable. The bad news is most of us are very familiar with this parable. It's one of those stories that has, is so familiar that we write songs about it and we do skits about it. And if you ever had a flannel graph in Sunday school or whatever, I mean, it, it's, it is flannel graphed, it's storyboarded, it's drawn, it's in coloring books. It is super cute, you know. The wise man built his house upon the rock, you know, and it says we clap our hands and, and the rains came, whatever that, all, I don't even remember the song, but... Uh, it's, it's almost so familiar that it's cute, right? The wise and the foolish builders. Oh, that's cute. Oh, today dad's going to tell us a Sunday school story. Well, here's the deal. It's actually frightening. This is not a cute story. It's not intended to go, oh, that's super cute. Jesus doesn't tell us this story to warm our hearts. Jesus tells us this story to warn us to obey him. (laughs) Happy New Year. So he concludes the Sermon on the Mount with this powerful challenge, one that forces the listener and the reader to respond to the words of Jesus, but also really helps frame our approach to the year, to the decade in front of us. The message is this, disciples of Jesus build on the rock. We'll take a look today at what that means and why it's important and how how to do that. Let's look at our Bibles, chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Therefore, 
This is the big therefore. He said it about three times, but this is the big one. Therefore, as though this, this reaches back all the way to chapter 5 and verse 17 of Matthew. Okay? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down. Everybody say the same rain. Well, well, I don't want to overdo that this morning, but it's really important that you hear both builders experience the same storms. The rain came down. I'm already ahead of myself, but it's really, really important that you don't hear that the the guy who builds his house on the sand experiences a different kind of storm or a worse storm, or the guy that builds his house on the rock gets the easy treatment, gets a little bit of a sprinkle and a... (laughs) They experience the same storm, but they have radically, eternally different results. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Disciples of Jesus build on the rock or else. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus concludes this sermon with with a final and pointed warning. Therefore... Jesus says, therefore, intending that we consider the whole message up to this point and also, the, as we have said, the eschatological warnings above. All of these warnings from in verse 13 all the way through here are warnings for us to consider the eschatological consequence of whether or not we obey Jesus, the eternal consequences of, eter- of following Jesus. The follower of Jesus always says, always begins with the end in mind. We examine the eternal consequence. We we start at judgment and work backwards and live forward. We think about the judgment that we're headed for and and we think backwards and we live forward from there. Jesus wants us to consider that that we uh, we are not on a hike. We're on a very specific journey. We're not wandering. There's a, start, there's a starting line and there's a finish line, and all of us will end up at a finish line. And disciples of Jesus live with that in view. He says, everyone. Oh, boy, everybody say everyone. everyone. And this is a wide-open invitation, everyone, but it's also a universal application. Everyone who hears these words, if you have heard the words of Jesus, then you are on the hook. You are responsible for responding to what you have heard. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Hearing is good. Some of the rabbis 
used to debate, they would debate, they have long pages of debating things, and they would debate whether it was better to be a hearer or a doer. But then they said, well, you can't be a doer unless you're a hearer, so hearer must be superior. So they really emphasized hearing and quoting and knowing and memorizing the law and the prophets. Jesus says it's not sufficient to hear it and know it. Hearing is good, but the purpose of hearing is doing. Hey, I don't want to raise my voice too loud here but because my niece is right there. But hey, North American Evangelical Church, the purpose of hearing is doing. Not T-shirts and bracelets and merch. Everyone, Jesus says, who puts his word into practice is like the wise person who builds their house on the rock. What is wise about that? Well, the house on the rock endures the storm. The storm proves the value and the integrity and the truth of the foundation. Anybody can claim that their truth is their truth. Hey, that my truth is my truth. You do you, boo. But the storm will reveal what is true. When Jesus says storms, he, he includes at least two types of storm. There is the one that is the, the, the one intended, and this has been true throughout all the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches and he he reaches for the extreme, and in, and in reaching for the extreme, he includes everything between us and the extreme. Like when he said, love your neighbor. Clearly, he means when he says love your neighbor, he means that you ought to also love your spouse. doesn't mean love your neighbor as yourself, but treat your wife like garbage. Okay, so in other words, if you should love even your neighbor, then you should definitely love your friend or your spouse or your person next to you. So when the ultimate is intended, the immediate is included. This is a good thing to remember when you're reading the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus will always illustrate the ultimate, but include the immediate. You with me? So when we're talking about storms, he is going to, he is going to point at the ultimate storm. Someone said the ultimate storm. Okay, so when Jesus says the storm, he talks about these winds and these waves. If we're letting Jesus continue in this theme, he's already said, remember, the tree that doesn't bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He said the, the wide road leads to destruction. So these are, he's talking eschatologically. He's talking about final judgment. And the storm here, this, this great storm, he is pointing at final judgment. But he is including the storms along the way. The storms of life and the storms of judgment will demonstrate or reveal the foundation you have built on. But he's but, Jesus says, but everyone who hears and does not practice, meaning it is possible to hear and to hear a lot. It is possible for you to hear the words of Jesus and hear them over and over again and become familiar with them and be able to sing them be able to wear them, be able to quote them, be able to misquote them, be able to use them to proof text your political agenda. It is possible to hear the words of Jesus and not do the words of Jesus. That's like memorizing a map but never going anywhere. And Jesus says to hear his words and not put them into practice is like the fool who builds their house on the sand. 
The sand, building on the sand, in this, in this context, in this geographic area, building on the sand may have been far more convenient. Far, it must be, the sand would be a, a more convenient place to build. The sand would be much more accommodating to your preference and to your schedule and to your opinions. But the storm will reveal its futility. The storm of life will reveal it and the storm of judgment. And Jesus says the house built on the sand will fall with a great crash. That should, I don't know, I mean, we sang that as, as kids and we all got excited. It was like the London Bridge part, you know. And the house on the sand went crash. And we got, yay. That's not supposed to elicit a yay. That should elicit a gasp. Thank you, Rose, for gasping. What this means is that Jesus, in presenting us and challenging us in response to what he has said, Jesus said there's only two kinds of builders. There are only two. There are wise and there are foolish. In this story, there are things that the builders share in common. They both hear the words of Jesus. And they're both building houses. What does it mean to build a house? What does Jesus probably mean to imply when he says building a house? Well, it, we, it's, we're probably safe to infer the, something that, that makes the most sense both to them and to us. That a house is where you live your life. It's, where you, it's your station in life. It's your family. It's your identity. It literally is a place for life or for living. Your house is your life. How are you building your life? Upon what foundation are you building your life? They're both, they both hear the words of Jesus. They both build houses. They're both building their lives. And they both experience storms. According, what, according to the text, we should understand this again, that Jesus means they will both experience judgment. Jesus said over and over again that this life is lived for that single moment when we will stand before God. This life may seem long, but it is a blip compared to eternity. And the purpose of this life is to prepare yourself to stand before God. And the according to what Jesus is saying, that judgment will reveal the integrity of our life and of our foundation. But he also would include in that the trials along the way. Life has storms. Is there anybody unaware that life has storms? If you don't, just hang around for the next couple of months and you'll find one. Life has storms. This life will test what you are made of. This life will most importantly test what your foundation is. And everyone will face storms. Everyone. They both, build, they both hear the words of Jesus, they both build their lives, and they both face storms. How are they different? The wise builder hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice. The builder obeys and imitates Jesus. He does not just wear a shirt or sling a hashtag. 
this builder knows that we will be responsible for what we have heard. So the wise builder puts what they have heard into practice. Somebody say practice. Not perfection, but practice. Not perfection, but practice. This builder experiences the storm and does not fall. The storm has no effect on this builder. This builder's life is stronger than the storms of this life. This builder's life is stronger than the storm. The storm of judgment reveals, and if we listen to all the words of Jesus, the storm of judgment reveals and even rewards the certainty of this builder's foundation. They're different because the foolish builder hears the words of Jesus but does not put them into practice. This builder may agree with with, with Jesus' words, but they don't actually do them. This builder may say amen when Jesus is talking, but just not do anything about it. May be a fan of what Jesus said. This builder is a fan, but not a follower. This builder has heard. This builder knows, but chooses not to obey. Chooses not to practice. Hey, you know what? Go ahead. Choose your own foundation. Go ahead. It's more convenient. Can you imagine... If, if this parable were to, to actually be observed, you would have one builder who does things that don't make sense. We just, you know, we're trying to build a house here, and this person is, doesn't waste time with all the preliminaries and is able to, you know, set up some walls and a nice and a nice roof and got themselves a nice little cabana or whatever, and they've already got an umbrella drink. Meanwhile, somebody else is they, they're 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 waist deep in the ground digging. And you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't. Obeying the words of Jesus, both in the Scripture and in the promptings of His Spirit in this life, will lead you to do things that to others may not make sense. It may, it may, it may not make sense. It may seem illogical. It may seem inconvenient. Uh, I can't tell you how many times Lori and I have done things that on paper make are absolutely foolish. We have made horrible career moves. <laughs> I mean horrible ones. According to the world standard, according to the foolish builder, the foolish builder would have said, well, that's a dumb move. And and my response is, the storm has come and gone. I'm still here. You will do things as a follower of Jesus that are more difficult in the short term, that will cost your time or your energy. You will sacrifice or it will seem like sacrifice. You will give your lives to people that don't know you. Yes, I'm talking to the Ness family. You will raise children only to send them away. So that other people can learn how to build their lives. 
so that others will be preserved from the storm that is coming. On the day of Pentecost, after that fantastic recorded, Luke records this prolific, this powerful, spirit-inspired message from Peter. And then he has this last little sentence in there that says, and, he, and, he, and, and, and G- Peter implored them with many other words to save themselves because a storm was coming. It's more convenient. It's more accommodating. Building on your own foundation, your own interests, it'll serve your interest, it'll feel it'll 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 be easier, it'll feel better. <sighs> but the difference between a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus is what is what you do with the words of Jesus. To hear them and not do them is to build your house and your life on the sand. And the storm Here's the other thing that's different. The storm destroys this builder's life. This builder's life cannot endure trial. This builder's life cannot endure trial. In this story, in the parable, the house only crashes one time. But what we know is this. If you build your life on the sand, your house will crash again and again. You'll keep wondering, you know, what's wrong or where did I? Ultimately, your life will not pass judgment. Even if on the exterior it looks like thing, you've been able to keep up appearances, you will stand before the Lord. The thing to remember is that the person who builds their life, the person who hears the words of Jesus and doesn't respond to them, doesn't put them into practice, their whole life is summarized by a great collapse. Their whole life. The summary of their life is a great crash. Regardless of the glitter and the glow. Regardless of the indulgence and the appearance, Jesus said, it's a crash. In saying these words, Jesus is... Well, let me just read the the verses 28 and 29 because it sort of illustrates what I'm about to say. It says, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. A lot of times we hear that and folks think, well, Jesus must have just been raising his voice or slamming doors or something, you know, or, you know, yar or or maybe furrowing furrowing his brow. That must have been the authority part. Or maybe he just really had, he had a, he was real charismatic. Well, he might have been done any of those things, but the thing the 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 oish of authority is that he actually stood up and he didn't say so and so said this and so and so said this and so and so said this he he actually equated his own words with the torah see the, the rabbis taught very similar ideas that it was that, that you you built your life on the torah on the law and the prophets or you did not and that was the, the Torah was this eternal foundation. Jesus stands up and says, these are my words. He equates his words with the entirety of Scripture. 
he says that his teaching, he's already said it in verse 12. Therefore, you know, do unto others. This sums up the whole law. Everything I've said is sums up the law and the prophets, right? Don't think that I've come to abolish the law but to fulfill them. He says his teaching sums up the law and the prophets, and he even says that how we respond to his word will determine, determine our life and our eternity. Jesus claims that how we respond to his words, and therefore, because he's equated them to Scripture, how we respond to the whole of Scripture is the single determining factor of whether you and I will stand or fall. Both in the ultimate storm and in the immediate storms of trials along the way. Therefore, disciples of Jesus build their lives on this book. Disciples of Jesus build their lives on this book. I'm counting about 15 of you that agree. I want more of you to survive the storm than that. Disciples of Jesus build their lives on this book. This book is the rock. How you respond to this book will determine this life for you and the next. Consider these these passages of Scripture as we look at what the Bible says about itself. Consider what these passages claim about the importance of not just hearing this thing, but obeying it, obeying it, putting it into practice. Just a, a survey of Scripture's own testimony. Deuteronomy 30, beginning at verse 15. Moses says, See before I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. That's a good house. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing into the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live. Your children are counting on you to put this book to work. I beg you, parents, put this book to work. Do what this thing says. Honor this thing for the sake of generations that follow you. They should be more familiar with this book than Netflix or Hulu or, or whatever Disney thing is on. Listen, I, we got all those things. We love all those things. They're fun. But this book, my kids know this, that everything we have is because Daddy's given his life to this book. And the reason why Daddy gave his life to this book is because his Daddy gave his life to this book. Almost embarrassed because I've got the Ness family in front of me. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. If I'm preaching to the choir, then they ought to sing better. (laughs) Now choose life that you and your children may live. Do you hear what's in the heart of God? He wants this for you. This is God's preference. Hold fast to him, for the Lord God is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's desire, his delight is to bless you. 
Joshua 1, 7 and 8, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This is God's plan. Put the book to work. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf will not wither, and whatever they do prospers. If you read this book, you'll begin to sound like a prosperity preacher. The book speaks for itself. Romans 2.13, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. 2 Timothy 3.14-17, but as for you, everybody say, but as for me, continue in what you have learned and what have become convinced of because you know from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. And useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Therefore, James says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil which is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Psalm 119, 119.9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Your response might be, good luck. <laughs> but Scripture says, by living according to your word. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp from my feet and a light from my path. If you want to walk forward with, with light, if you want to have a certainty, if you want to have confidence, if you want to have direction in the here in front of you, put this book to work. Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. I would encourage you to grab a hold of Psalm 119 this week as you're transitioning from calendar years and just read 119 a few times out loud. It'll take you a smidge. It's the longest chapter in the Bible and it's all about the glory and wonders of God's word. Disciples of Jesus hear the word and put it into practice. Disciples of Jesus build on the rock. How can you do this? How can we hear it and put it into practice? Well, we're about one minute past time here, so we're okay. Uh, in your bulletins, there is a bookmark. <laughs> yeah, boiled down. Here I've made this. I feel, it feels a little silly, like it all boils down to a bookmark. Of course it doesn't, but this is just a tool for you. How can you hear and practice the Word of God? Here's some, here's some tools we want to encourage you to use in the year ahead. Number one, read the Bible or listen to it. Read it on a Bible app. Listen to it on Audible. Read the Bible. We suggest... Yes, I just use sound effects when I communicate. Uh, uh, we suggest a one-year Bible. We might buy some of these. There's the one-year Bible comes in the New Living, the NIV, the New King James, the King James. Ooh, okay, uh, and, but it's all the Bible. If you want, you can use King James if you like what Paul used or whatever. That's fine. But uh, but the 
I want to encourage all of you to secure a one-year Bible. They have them on apps now. You can do it on the Bible app. They have them on Audible. You can listen to your one-year Bible. The one-year Bible will take you through the whole Bible in a year. You'll start in January in, Matthew, in, in Genesis and Matthew and work your way all the way to the end. How do, you be, how do you listen to and put the words of Jesus into practice? Start by reading your Bible. One of them cute little internet memes was out yesterday, and this one happened to ring true. He said, uh, he said don't cl- the, the meme said something to this effect, don't claim that God is silent if your Bible is closed. <laughs> well, I just can't hear God. Well, anyhow. I suggest a one-year Bible. We're going to be encouraging all the congregation to be going through that together. But any regular systematic reading is good. Read systematically, not erratically. Don't open your Bible and just say, well, Lord, we only read today. Just find it and read it. That's fine. All the Bibles, the whole thing's good. But read systematically. Let author, uh, uh, author audience agenda, let those things speak to you. Let the Bible read through whole texts at a time. Pay attention to what you read. And even if your dad doesn't want you to, mark in your Bible. I don't know why anybody would write in their Bible. Look, get a journal if you want to write something down. Mm-mm. That's a direct quote. But, uh, but uh, nonetheless, I've burned, through, I've burned through many a copy of God's Word with much writing. Okay? But pay attention. Write, something, write in the Bible or write something down. Highlight something listen for something that stands out to you and then respond to it. These, this is just part of these steps. If you look in this, this little bookmark that you've got, here's the deal. Here's what we want you to do, not only in your, in your current growth groups, but if you're not in a growth group, get into a huddle, a growth huddle even, two or three people, and uh, spend time. Use this bookmark. Try to use it every day. But if you don't, don't beat yourself up. If you only get three out of seven days, that's probably better than you did this year. Okay? Here's the things. As you read, what passage, what passage stands or speaks out to you? What verse or collection of verses really stand out to you? Find one, one or two verses that really grab you. The next question, how does this, avert, this affect your view of God? It's really important. How does this affect the way you see God, the way you see yourself, and the way you see other people? It's really that these are important reflection dimensions. Think about all three. How do I see, not just how do I see God, how do I see myself? And then how does that, in turn, how do I begin to see other people today? And the third thing that, you, that I want you to do is, how does, how does this passage challenge you to obey and imitate Jesus? What's the challenge here for you? It's, I don't want you to go, mm, yeah, that's good, amen. I want you to think, all right, what am I going to do? How am I going to be challenged? And, that's, and then that really leads to number four. Relying on the Holy Spirit, finish this sentence, I will Now, we say relying on the Holy Spirit because obeying Jesus is not about you trying harder. Obeying Jesus is about being brought into vital contact with the Holy Spirit and living in His His empowering presence. Only disciples are witnesses. Disciples are those who have followed Jesus into baptism and followed Him right into the embrace of the Holy Spirit. Disciples of the, the, it is vital contact with the Holy Spirit that defines and determines our discipleship. So relying on the Holy Spirit, believing that because He is in me and with me and working, I will do this. I will live differently. And then number five, I really, 
just talk about who, who are you going to share this with? Who are you going to share what the Lord is speaking to you and challenging you to live? What, what good news, what challenging thing? Who will you share this with? Ask the Lord to say, Lord, who can I share this with? It may be on a near stranger. It, it should be, at the very minimum, whoever you're huddling with week to week. Get, you know, you can say throughout the week, hey, this week this is one passage, and it's going to have to, it'll, it'll kind of force you to, again to look back and think about what you've read in your growth groups. But get in one and talk about it. But I would hope that almost daily you would be looking for someone to share, to give away what the Lord has dropped into your life. Because this will be a powerful tool for not only our own spiritual formation, but for the transformation of the community around us. Right now, just doing things like this, according to reports that I've heard, the church in Iran is one of the fastest growing churches on the globe. And it's because people are gathering around, listen to this, for strategy, for cutting edge new ideas. The believers are gathering around the scripture, reading it, deciding how they'll obey, and then sharing that thought with somebody else. And the church in Iran is growing exponentially because people are responding to the words of Jesus. Amen. Disciples of Jesus build on the rock. They hear the word, they put it into practice, and they build lives that are stronger than the storm. They build lives that are, the strong, that are stronger than the storm of life, and when the storm of judgment comes, ultimately it will reveal the, the authenticity and the certainty of their faith and will reward that faith. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. Regardless of how we've been building, all of us in this room, if we're going to take another breath, then we have another opportunity right now to decide how we will build. How will you build?